We're recording. In LA, almost all of us who can stay home are Some are, are quarantined. Six We are online. Nine. Hey, everybody. This is Stream, the show about life and the top five things to stream in quarantine. I'm Bob Christian in day 48 of Los Angeles' quarantine, which means if this was a punt, our team would be doing okay, I guess. Um, this is a creator's episode, so we'll be talking about people making and doing things during this quarantine who are creators. And I'm so excited to have today's guest on. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Justin Walter. I'm currently in Santa Monica, California, and I can be found at ATW Justin on social media and around the world with Justin.com is my travel blog. Awesome, Justin. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You've had such a journey with your content from the beginning of this to where we are now. I can't wait to talk through it. <laughs> but before we get into it, let's just talk about your life in quarantine, which is the subject of a lot of your content. Yeah. Uh, so to start with, let's just get a brief glimpse of your mindset. What is your physical quarantine situation? Where are you and who are you with? So I live in a guest house in Santa Monica, California. I live about a mile from the beach, which is great uh, before the beaches were shut down. And <laughs> I, I have a roommate, um, uh, someone who I had found off Craigslist about six or seven or eight months ago. I used to live with Spencer Spellman, one of your best friends, one of my very good friends. And we lived together for about two and a half years. And then he moved out. I took over the, the guest house. And so it's two people uh, in one guest house. And we have a little patio space, which is nice. And it's I love where I live. So I'm very grateful during this time to, to be living in this location with this weather and the home that I currently live in. So with your roommate, have you had to have unique discussions about parameters for quarantining? Who gets to go out? How often you get to see people? That sort of thing? Yeah, we definitely at the beginning of this, well, first we kind of, you know, took it a little lightly of, oh, this what's actually going on. But once it became more serious, we and inside our house, we actually divided all of our stuff. Uh, we use different silverware, we use different plates, we have cabinets with our names and labels on them. So we split everything up kind of inside we every time we come in we have to wash our hands um, i currently don't have work all of my work is freelance work so with travel and television the the industries i work in that stuff is all shut down he actually works for ucla so he is going to work now three days a week and he wears different clothes at his office he changes um when he, before he comes back into the house We're, we don't bring any um, outside people into the house um, we do have a patio space where we have allowed um, a small set of people individually hang out in the patio space six feet plus apart. Um, so that's kind of the only space in our house that we have agreed to let people come in outside of from the two of us. So before we talk about when you let people in, let's go back to, I guess, towards the beginning of this, when you thought that you had contracted COVID-19, correct? Yes. Yeah. In February, I did a lot of travel uh, through my travel blog. I went on two different trips. I did a trip uh, with Travel Mindset, Jade's company, to Florida. And then after that, I did a trip with the tourism board to Sun Valley, Idaho. And when I, that was at the end of February. When I got back from Sun Valley, I was sick for a week. I had a sore throat. I had a cough. I had a high fever. And this was like right around the time where it wasn't a big deal in the US until the beginning of March. So then I had brought a friend of mine as my plus one to Sun Valley, Idaho. And about 
two weeks into March, I just sent him a, a text and said, Hey, how you been doing? You know, this is crazy. And he said, Oh dude, I got so sick after we got from back from Sun Valley, Idaho. And I said, what do you, what'd you get sick with? And he, he said he was coughing up mucusy phlegm. He had chills and fevers. So then we both thought, Oh my gosh, we must've gotten it while we were in Sun Valley. And then we found out Sun Valley, Idaho was the number one hotspot uh, in Idaho for COVID-19. Wow. And there were news articles about how, like where we were in Ketchum and Sun Valley, it was the highest per capita in Idaho. So the two of us were convinced we definitely got it. So right when antibody tests first became available in the Los Angeles area, I booked it to Malibu uh, to get an antibody test. And that story in itself is a crazy story of the whole chaotic mess of the beginning of testing. And the test came back negative. So I kind of went into a little bit of a downward spiral after that because I almost interpreted a positive test result of antibodies as my kind of like, oh, I had it, I'm done with it. And I'd been kind of living for a month thinking I already had it. But I mean, now it's even if you had it, there's no guarantee that you can't get it again. And even a lot of these antibody tests have really high percentages of false results. So who knows even if the test was accurate. By the time things started heating up in Los Angeles, and in the U.S., were you were you recovered from the illness you thought you had in Sun Valley? I was sick for about about one to two weeks after Sun Valley. So it either was a really bad sinus infection or some sort of infection, or it maybe could have still been COVID nineteen, but the antibody test was inaccurate. So I'm not really sure what I actually did have at the time. With this test, you found out you don't have antibodies. You yeah. possibly weren't infected. Yeah. Yay. Good news. Bad yes. news, you went in a downward spiral. What are the first two things you changed yeah. about your situation when you thought you no longer had the antibodies? When I went to get the antibody test, I thought like, this is my get out of jail card. Like if this is positive and I have antibodies, then this this means I can see, I can maybe see more friends and I can, I can maybe do a little more road trip traveling or kind of, I thought of it as like a get out of jail card, which at the time people assume that if you had it, you wouldn't get it again, whereas that's kind of been not true now. But I think one thing that I really recognized was I wasn't being as cautious as I should have been because I thought I already had it in terms of how often during the day I was washing my hands or at the time when I was going to the grocery store and wasn't wearing a mask or wasn't wearing gloves. And I was cautious. I definitely was cautious and I was taking precautions. But having that kind of in the back of your head thinking you had it you're a little less cautious than you were if you'd know you didn't have it. So you went from kind of a laissez-faire attitude to definitely more strict. Would you say that you are scared of the virus or that you're worried about the virus? Or how do you feel about the virus itself? It's interesting. I before would have said, I'm not worried if I get it. You know, but then, you know, I did an Instagram live with one of my very good friends, Rachel Rudwell, who's my age and very active and in shape and a traveler and hiker. And she shared her story of how it was so debilitating and really, really a struggle. So I kind of went after that conversation with her from, oh, if I get it, I'll be fine to, oh, if I get it, it's actually going to suck. <laughs> um, whereas I used to kind of think, oh, if I get it, I'm active, I'm fit, I'm athletic, like it's not going to be bad. I'm more scared of the people who are at risk of getting it than myself. But who, like, I don't want to end up in a hospital, you know, all the horror stories of people being alone. I'm not personally myself afraid 
I am worried more of I don't interact with people at higher risk. I, you know, I don't have any older family members here. I'm not seeing any people with older family members. So you're letting people onto your back patio. Not a lot. It's just very a very small. It's I literally have only let one friend in my mind, one friend come over. It's someone who has been in quarantine and we trust each other. We trust and we're very honest about uh, our methods. And that person came over once. So, or actually twice. That person came over twice in the last month and we stayed six, 10 feet apart more than that. And it was just kind of a outdoor space to have some interaction. I gotta say thank you for making me feel a little bit more normal about my experience talking about the antibody testing when you acknowledge that it's not a bulletproof test and there are lots of problems with it. I feel like that information is not getting out as much as it should. Yeah. And also opening up your back patio, I've gone over to a few friends, like outdoor spaces and we've had beer six feet apart. And I feel like that's a very normal thing to start adjusting to. Yes. However, people are not talking about it. So thank you for making life a little bit more normal. Yeah, and it's funny because as I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, who's going to listen to this and think I'm a terrible person, <laughs> right? And it's even like I, my family, I'm from Chicago. My family's all in the Midwest area. My sister and her husband haven't left their house in however many days, 40 plus days. My parents haven't left the house. They're just now starting to have conversations of when and is it okay for us to do a sort of backyard patio get together. For me, with a friend that I had over twice, that person is not interacting with elder elderly people. They've been in strict quarantine themselves. Whereas I have some other friends who have family in the LA area where I'm not interacting with them because if I, for some reason, did have it, I don't want to put like them at risk or because they're interacting with people more at high risk. So I'm in the same boat of with you of, I think it is okay with certain people if you assess like what are their outer circles as well, and then just make sure that you're all being honest with each other and being very careful. So as you went through that list of disclaimers you're putting on your comments, I think that's a great way to lead into your profession and you being a creator. You're a travel content creator. Yeah. People online right now, I feel, are looking for something to find fault in, in any posting by somebody, especially anything that's going a little bit over the dead median in any direction. Uh, people wearing masks in public are mm-hmm. getting uh, crap from people who are saying that we should be outside of our house. People who are going outside their house are getting crap from people who have not left their house. Uh, So you are in a uniquely difficult situation. And I think added to that is a lot of your content is based on being an active outside guy. So you've had to rethink a lot of your stuff. Let's break it down, your process of adjusting to quarantine with just going back to the beginning when things started up in March. Uh, what were your first thoughts about your life and identity as you as we went into this, thinking it was only going to be 14 days? The biggest thing for me was I had just come off of two trips and I was about to leave. I was days away of leaving for a job, a travel job, where I was going to be traveling for a month and a half outside of the United States. And uh, when all of this hit, it would basically stripped me of what I would say all my top passions. It stripped me of travel. It stripped me of human interaction. 
It stripped me of working out. It stripped me of adventure. So all within a couple of days, I went from a high of getting ready to leave for a dream job that I just had landed to then feeling like, oh my gosh, everything's being stripped away. I still haven't posted anything on my Instagram feed since my last post of basically stay home. And at that time when I posted that, I had talked to other travel friends and just kind of realizing like if people who love and live for travel are sending that message of stay home, then hopefully that will add gravity to the importance of staying home. Um, and it kind of made me shift how I wanted to do my content. I, I just, I haven't been doing posts in my feed just cause I'm not inspired to. Usually my posts in my feed are from trips I'm on or companies or products I'm working with. And since all that has gone away, I wanted to kind of shift my content in a direction where I wasn't going to be, you know, promoting travel in a sense of uh, how I've been doing it with my my channels. So that's kind of where I kind of had the, the shift of, I want to come up with some other creative ideas and take some opportunities with my content that I haven't done before. So did you sit down and think out a new strategy for going through this? Or did you just start trying things and see what stuck? I felt this calling kind of internally to, to not carry on business as usual. I think that's one thing I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who watch my Instagram lives or who have read my blogs. And the, the positive feedback I've gotten has just been, thank you. I'm so sick of seeing influencers posting as if nothing's changed or nothing's happened or it's like very kind of narcissistic. And that's just not how I want to view my content. So I didn't really sit down and think of, oh, here's my game plan or map. I just thought to myself, if I can't travel, I want to travel virtually. So how can I do that? Oh, I have friends and travel friends from all over the world that are stuck at home right now. So why don't I connect and travel virtually with them through conversation? How can I do that? Oh, I could do weekly Instagram lives and, and do that. And then uh, and then I thought to, with my blogs, like how could I incorporate that kind of same idea of my Instagram lives into blogs? And then I did a series of blogs where I kind of did roundtables of asking travel friends for their coronavirus advice. And then it, I broke it down into three kind of big categories. So it wasn't really a game plan. It just kind of fell into place. And as I kept doing it, I kept getting more and more positive feedback of, oh my gosh, I love your Instagram lives. They're positive, they're upbeat, but they're also have a good message about what's going on. They're my escape from the news and, and thank you. I've been traveling virtually through you and through your content in a really positive way. So it kind of just fell into place and then I've just kind of been going with it the last month and a half. Would you say you're using all this to help steer your audience to a new mindset or are you following your audience's mindset to find new content for yourself? So I think I've kind of wanted to keep alive that travel conversation and inspiration that my audience and new audience that I'm gaining or having eyeballs, they want that, but they also want it in a, in a, in a way that's inspiring and not too heavy in the sense of coronavirus talk. I, in the beginning of this was like reading so many articles and so much news about coronavirus and it just like started weighing me down. So I like really limit my intake of kind of the news now and I'm trying to be an outlet and a source beyond the news 
that incorporates a different uh, kind of positive spin on travel. So you've had a lot of setbacks. Like you said, a lot of your identity has been stripped away as you've adjusted to these new circumstances. Uh, The things you usually talk about have kind of gone away. During this situation, have you had trouble staying inspired or have building this crowd around you kept you motivated every single day? I will be very real. This has been like a roller coaster of up and downs. There's days where I'm super productive and super, you know, active and and creating my content. And there's days where I'm very lazy. <laughs> so it's like it is it has not been a full on month and a half of hard work. I'm gonna say that to be totally brutally honest. It is it's waves. It's an up and down roller coaster where I have good days, I have bad days. It's kind of the first time in the last however many years in my you know 15 years I've been in LA or 14 years that I'm not punishing myself for being lazy that's why you know I think that it's very rare that we like I personally take the time to just actually relax and that is something that I'm finding myself actually doing for the first time even though I always kind of fall back into the I could be doing more I could be more productive I should be creating more but I'm really trying to like find a balance of, no, this is a global pause. This is an opportunity where you can take kind of a pause and a break, mentally recharge, kind of think of new ways to be creative in the future. And really what I'm trying to also do is find the opportunities that, that exist now that don't exist pre or post this time. And I'm working on a couple projects right now that would not be possible if this pause were not happening. So those are kind of where I'm trying to like do the content I'm doing, keep creating some new stuff, but also taking the time to be a little lazy and to re- enjoy relaxing and then really kind of trying to find those new niches of content. All right. So you're working on a lot of new projects right now. Today is, I think, worldwide, the first real day of relaxation on a major major global scale. So we might be on the path out of this. Do you have a strategy for transitioning back to who you were before? Or is this just fly by the seat of your pants, see what works when it happens? I think my strategy at the end of the day is just being authentically mean to going with what feels right. You know, I hope that the job that I was going to leave for um, right before all this started, I think that will pick up and I'll be able to hop back into that hopefully sooner than later. But also taking uh, what I have been doing during this and seeing how I can maybe use it in the future for new projects. I think one thing I've really loved is has been doing these Instagram lives with my friends from all over the world and travel friends and people that I've met during my travels. And one, I also, in addition to doing travel content creation, I do on-camera travel hosting and work. And it's really kind of got me back into that. So it's kind of getting me back to the, why did I move to LA? One of the reasons I moved to LA was to pursue hosting and being on camera. And that hasn't ever fallen away. But I think in the world of like content creation, that's kind of coming back to me more as like, I really want to pursue more of that um, in, in, in addition to the other stuff I have been doing in the past couple of years. Okay, and real quick, travel blogger to travel blogger, where are you going when this is over? Where's the first place you're going to go if you had to pick? I do think it's got to be first domestic. 
Uh, I think it, I definitely probably, I know it's going to sound cheesy, probably would hop on a flight and get home to Chicago to see my family. This has been very difficult on my, my the older generation of my family. And, you know, we've connected through Zooms and we've connected through FaceTimes. But I think just being, having that in-person human connection will be really important. So I think that's the most meaningful first trip. Beyond that, I would love to get to like a national park that I haven't been to. I would love to do some camping, some outdoor stuff. And then outside of the U.S., I would love to get to Italy with my family. So if I could combine the wow. family and international travel. But I, I think getting convincing my family to travel internationally is going to take a long time. <laughs> to Italy as well. Italy being like the I hottest know. part. Yeah, yeah. So that's not, that's not going to be a good one. Uh, but I also... Uh, maybe this winter, I haven't ever seen the Northern Lights and I really, that's still at the top of my list. I've never seen the Northern Lights. So I gotta, gotta get to the Northern Lights. All right, Justin, I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions and then we'll jump into your list. Are you ready? All right, sure. First thing that comes to mind. Number one, what is something you wish you had or had more of? Sex. (laughs) Number two, what is something you actually- That's the first thing that came to mind. Okay, go ahead. That's great. (laughs) Number two, what is something you actually don't need, but thought that you would? The first thing that comes to mind is my car. I haven't been using my car as much. Number three, what's some way you've surprised yourself during this? I think I think the thing that surprised me the most, it's not really, I just, it made, this has made me realize how extroverted I am. I knew I was an extrovert, but this has made me really realize how much I thrive in social group settings with other humans. Mm. All right. Number four, knowing what you know now, if you were given the chance to change two things in the days leading up to quarantine, what would they be? Invest in Zoom <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I have like a, some friends where I would like almost make a quarantine pact or live. I have a, I'm thinking of uh, some friends that have a house and a pool and I wish I could have convinced them to let me just quarantine with them the whole time. All right, last question. Right now, are you thinking more about the past, present, or future? Present. Okay, let's get into your list, Justin. Uh, As we get into it, I gotta know, what do you think makes for a good stream right now? I think right now escapism is the number one thing. Whether you have kids in a family or you're bored out of your mind as a single solo person, a good streaming is a way to kind of escape whatever your reality might be and to just kind of unwind and kind of feel a little sense of normalcy again. Okay, let's see how that works out with your list. Are you ready to go? (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. Justin, the travel bloggers, top five things to stream during quarantine. Starting out with number five, meditation. (laughs) Oprah and Deepak Chopra's 21-day meditation challenge titled hope in uncertain times. Leave fear and anxiety behind as you discover how to embrace uncertainty as an opportunity to grow and evolve. And this was actually not created for the pandemic. It was published in 2017. Before we talk about this in particular, quick answer, yes or no, would you consider yourself a regular meditator before this? No. And have you completed this challenge? I have not yet. Okay. 
both things seem that this would not be the best recommendation, Justin. So why did you choose this particular ex exercise? Are you like a huge fan of Oprah or what's the deal? No. So I've done these before. So Oprah and Deepak Chopra have these 21-day meditation challenges. They usually are centered around one theme. This one they're offering for free if you download the app or online. And it's about hope in uncertain times. So it's fitting for the times. But this is now the third one I've done of theirs. And I actually struggle with meditation. I find it hard to kind of sit down and kind of really allow my brain to go there. And I really, it's a, it's a tool that I want to get better at. Um, I'm more than halfway through this current one. I haven't been doing it every day. You're supposed to do it 21 days in a row. And I haven't been doing it that way, but I still come back to it. And why I like it is it starts off with Oprah gives a little thought of the day and then Deepak takes that and, and runs with it. And then there's a kind of, it's a guided meditation. So for someone like me who isn't that good at meditating and who kind of struggles with meditating, but recognizes the importance and the value of meditating, a guided meditation like this one, I think is a very good tool to try and learn that skill. Uh, I just did it this morning. Why I do it and I like it is it starts the day for me in a positive mindset. Instead of a doom and gloom mentality, there's a good positive message to kind of carry out throughout the day. About how long is each guided meditation? Uh, 15 to 20 minutes total. Oprah gives her like five to six minute spiel, then Deepak does his like five to six minutes, and then the actual meditating part is about uh, 10 minutes. Now, who do you find more inspirational or I guess open opens your mind better oprah or deepak on these meditations i would say uh oprah's messages they're a little more they're a little more straightforward and simple and kind of ahas number four is an audiobook the power of now the full title is the power of now a guide to spiritual enlightenment uh would you call this a self-help book this is definitely a self-help book that I'm still trying to get through because it's a, it's a tough one. <laughs> so what's this book about? Like, what's the synopsis of this book? This book I've now, this is like, I've tried reading it about two or three times. So now I'm trying the audio version because <laughs> everyone says it's, you have to read this, you have to do this, it'll change your life, change your mentality. But basically, the idea is so much of our time and energy is spent worrying about the past and the future when all we really have control over is the now, the present. So it's interesting that you had asked me that question, what do you focus more on? So that's kind of the general philosophy and mindset of the book. It's a tough read. Uh, and the audio book, is a, it's, I'm trying that route. It's, it, I'm not uh, very far in it. But it is something where I love that mentality. I Once I kind of read that and heard that, it is so true if you really think about how much time we spend thinking about our past and then how that guides our future, but not enough time living in our present and how what we do now, how we can control our present is the most powerful thing we have. And it's the only thing we have. So I think it's a book and an audio book that I really... Um, I'm trying. Look at the first two things you were on this list are things that I'm still not amazing and good at, <laughs> but it's I, I'm trying to better myself uh, through these kind of two things. And then the next things on the list are not self-help, but these are definitely the self-help ones. <laughs> I mentioned this in a previous podcast. I have asked most people that question: Are you thinking more about the present, past, or future? And almost everyone has said 
the future and a lot of people say the present i'm the only person that claims to only be thinking about the past right now so this seems like the book that i need to read to get to the other side of this what makes this such a hard thing to read so it's just the writing is kind of dense and the the ideas are sometimes hard to grasp so i found myself like rereading some chapters and pages like what is he actually trying to say i was trying to do a book club with this book with one of my very good friends amy pathrath she actually did finish it but she said it was like the third or fourth time she picked it up to try and read it and i think the thing that she kind of gave me the advice was you don't have to grasp every concept and every idea that he's trying to put out there it is very dense but if you can get those main takeaways that really can kind of shift your perspective and shift your mindset that's what you need to kind of take away from it so that's how i'm trying to like reframe re listening to it um versus kind of trying to grasp every single thing he's trying to say and real quick when and where are you actually listening to audiobooks i know podcast listening i've talked about this with other guests is way down because no one's driving in their car so yeah where are you so doing that's that? the thing yeah it's, i haven't been flying through it because usually it's in my driving uh usually my podcasts are audiobooks i when i'm driving and that's one thing like how i said earlier that i haven't missed my car i'm hardly in my car anymore so kind of listening to the audiobooks and listening to the podcast is definitely gone way down. I was for six months working on a, a job where I was, I live in Santa Monica and I was working in Glendale. I was flying through podcasts and books left and right because <laughs> I, I was spending two and a half hours in my car a day. So I don't miss that. Uh, but it does definitely, it makes my consumption go a lot down. So where, where are you, when and where are you listening oh, to this? Yeah. So I'm, I would just say if I'm bored, I'm just putting on my earbuds in my patio in my backyard and and chilling and listening. That's about it. <laughs> and you said in your notes, this is available on Libby. Is it a free book on uh, Libby? Yeah. So Libby is a cool app where Libby is basically a virtual library and all the, the book borrowing and audiobooks are free. Awesome. All right. Number three, speaking of how you're trying to avoid news is a podcast, NPR's up first podcast which is the news you need to start your day it's a daily news podcast from npr with episodes ranging from 10 to 15 minutes so justin is this your news outlet yes this is my main news outlet now that i kind of will either at the start of the day or the middle of the day or the end of the day that's kind of where i've been limiting my news to just because i i was going down too many holes why i like it and this was my daily morning podcast when I used to have my commute, where it's just the top three news stories of the day. And it's about a 15 minutes, about five minutes on each story. And they, you know, talk to experts. And I think they do a really good job on just kind of presenting, you know, the, the top news stories of the day. Interesting. And I'm assuming since it's so short, there's not a lot of pundits or there's not a lot of discussion. It's more just straight facts. Nope. I just want to get some news that's kind of straight facts and and not, you know, as skewed one way or the other. I mean, news is always skewed these days, but I find that they do a pretty good job on trying to keep it fair and just kind of here's here's the facts uh, and here's the just in and out kind of quick news stories. All right, real quick question about podcasts in general. Do you want to know what your podcast hosts look like or do you like it to be just something you make up in your head? Oh, uh, I kind of like it as you kind of just, I make it up in my head. <laughs> it's kind of like even on the radio too. Uh, when I listen to radio, it's, I used to listen to oh my the Woody show in the morning a lot on uh -huh. my commutes. And I always had, you know, just hearing their voices 
like reading a book versus watching a movie, making that mm -hmm. kind of image in my head. And then when I actually saw a photo of all of them, I was like, that is not at all what I thought they would look <laughs> like. <laughs> all right. So real quick, the host of uh, NPR up first, give me five adjectives to describe who, what this host looks like from your head. Oh my gosh. The male, I would say, oh, gray hair, uh, in his fifties or sixties, wears glasses, um, wears like button down t shirts and kind of is like a grandpa dad type looking guy. <laughs> Love it. I have no idea what the guy looks like, but I have to find that out now. Awesome. Yeah, no, the, the, yeah, they're just kind of like, I have no idea. And I don't even want to know. <laughs> right. All right. Number two is a Spotify playlist, tropical house playlists, specifically yes. treat yourself better by Rufus Dussol. I think before I can discuss this with you, I need to talk about how I see you for better or worse. Okay. For me, Justin, you're very outgoing, you're upbeat, you're body positive, and you have a great body. I say all this because two things, I guess two questions. Yes. Does this suggestion mean that you're just dancing all the time? And <laughs> are you doing this completely naked, which is exactly how I imagine it going down in your place. Dude, hold on. This should have been my number one because I did. I put it in no particular order. This is definitely my number one thing I've been doing in quarantine. So I love tropical house music. That is my favorite kind of genre, EDM house, tropical house, deep house, all that stuff. And just randomly one day I was like, I'm going to throw myself a little silent disco for myself. So I put on ear, I put on earbuds and I had like a drink or two or consume, you know, weed is legal in Los Angeles and in California. So I had, I ate an edible and I put on some tropical house music and then I literally danced for three hours naked in my bedroom <laughs> to tropical house. And I like closed my eyes. I pretended I was like in Burning Man or in Berlin or wherever I was at Coachella. I don't, not Coachella. I don't, I'm not a fan of Coachella, but you are exactly right. There have been, I think four, <laughs> four to five times now where I just put my earbuds in. I put on great dance music. I come into my bedroom and I just throw myself a dance party. And it's the most fun I have had in my solo quarantine time. <laughs> So do the clothes come off as you push play? Slowly do they come <laughs> off while you're dancing for hours at a time? How no, do you get I, naked in this situation? I, I start clothed and then they come off as the party gets going. <laughs> wow, that is a very intense silent disco by yourself. That's Your silent disco is maybe the craziest party I've ever been to. I'll text friends the next, like during it or, or after I'm like, guys, I'm at this raging silent disco party. And then I like go with it as if it's a real silent disco. I'm like, how are you breaking <laughs> quarantine? What are you I'm like? Oh my God. It's so worth it. I'm having so much fun. This party is lit. The music is great. Oh my God. The like, ah, oh, you got it. Then they then I tell them it's me alone dancing with earbuds <laughs> in my room naked. <laughs> <laughs> And I tell like even my friends with my I have a um my friends I did a series of blogs and this is this was my advice on what to do during the quarantine and things. But even for people with kids, I'm gonna give you and Jade a suggestion. One night, take her on a date night where you have your earbuds, you guys have some wine or whatever you like to drink, and Augustine's already in bed, and you put on the music and you guys just dance your hearts out. You'll love it. All right. I will take you up on that. Good. All right, and you're 
your number one suggestion for things to well, stream during quarantine. It, this would be number two, but yeah, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with a little bit of a caveat, your number one pick is Netflix's Love is Blind. It's a 2020 show, which a previous guest has called the perfect show for dating during a pandemic. We've talked about this show before, and a lot of people are aware of this show. I binged this in one night. <laughs> I This was the first night of quarantine, I would say, when it all, like, I was like, I, I went a month and a half of, like, working out hard and eating really well and like and i was like screw this i opened up a bottle of wine <laughs> i had a family-sized bag of jalapeno kettle chips and i was like people say this love is blind is good i'm gonna watch it i stayed up all night and watched it i also did the same thing last week with too hot to handle netflix is crushing the dating genre for reality tv game shows uh they're just mindless entertaining and there's actually love is blind i would say is better than too hot to handle just because there were a lot of even just like good lessons and and dating and honesty and openness and and it's, it was just a good fresh dating show i don't love dating shows but i i thoroughly enjoy this as my first binge of quarantine so what do you like about these exactly? Do you like watching people fall in love or are you in it for the train wrecks? No, I actually love the, I like for Love is Blind specifically, I love the them falling in love. I think it's, I think nowadays there's, there's so many ways for people to fall in love. And, and I think, you know, what's the difference of meeting someone on a, a reality show versus, you know, meeting someone on a dating app? You know, it's the same thing. It's just a random kind of occurrence or chance of that's how you may have come in each other's lives. But there's a, a couple couples on that Love is Blind show that I think are adorable. And I, I think they're cute and great. And, and I love their story and, and watching it. And I got teary eyed and cried a couple times watching Love is Blind. And I think it's more of I'm single. I'm single in quarantine. So the I and I've I've gotten myself off dating apps. I'm not not doing Zoom dates and all that junk that is not for me. Um, but I'm a hopeless romantic in the sense of I want to be in love. I want to find love. So have, getting to watch people fall in love through a silly dating show, it was cute. That's so sweet. Uh, if you were on this show in round one, do you have a question that you would that you think is like the silver bullet to figure out who you would fall in love with? I don't, you know, one question I do ask on first dates sometimes when I actually like feel there's a good energy or for me, I hate surface level conversations and I hate kind of just surface levelly dates that bores the heck out of me. Um, so one question I have asked on some first dates is like, what's a question you would want to ask on a first date? but you'd never ask on a first date. Ask me that question. Oh, interesting. So you really put it on the other person on your first date. So you really demand a lot. <laughs> but then I share the that death. as well. I share that as well. Because <laughs> then they ask me to say, then they'll put it on me and say, what about you? And I'll, I'll open up and I'll say, okay, great. Uh, but you, the most, what do you think the most common thing is in response to that question? It's been so long since I've been on a date. Do you, <laughs> do you have any expectations of where this is going to go today? I don't know. Something oh, like that. okay. No. What is the most common question? What I've found in my experience is uh, about past relationships, wanting to know details about exes, you know, right off the bat. I literally don't care about anyone, exes, any past relationships. It's just never been something I've ever cared about at all. So 
clearly that's why I have not been. I I just needed to be dating longer, I guess. That <laughs> All right, Justin, that is your list of your top five things to stream. I'll go through it one time so everyone has it. Uh, number five, meditation with Oprah and Deepak, Deepak Chopra's 21 day meditation challenge. Hope is hope in uncertain times. Number four is the audiobook Power of Now. Also a real book if you're up for that challenge. Number three is the podcast uh, Up First from NPR. Number two, any Tropical House playlist on Spotify, especially Treat You Better by Rufus Dussol. And your number one pick was Netflix's Love is Blind. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you being on here. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. Would you like to shout out uh, where people can find you to watch some of your Instagram uh, lives? Yeah. My, I have my Instagram handle and my other social media is ATWJustin and uh, my blog with some coronavirus blogs specifically um, tailored to everything that's going on is at aroundtheworldwithjustin.com. Corn Stream was produced this week by Bobby Christian. Special thanks to Justin from Santa Monica. If you'd like to share your life or list from quarantine or coming out of quarantine, reach out to me on Instagram at Civil Matador. And remember, this will end, so enjoy it while you can.